23andMe, Ancestry DNA. These are two very popular companies, and there are others that do DNA testing. That is, you send them a little sample of your DNA. They derive it from, you spit into a little tube, you send it to their lab, and for a fee, they extract the DNA, and they are able to determine, they claim within a 98% success rate, where your people came from, where your ancestors are from. You've probably seen the TV commercials where the guy talks about having a great-great-grandfather in Norway or something who was a fisherman with blue eyes just like him. Sounds like a fun thing to do, doesn't it? Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Pete Torriello. And I'm Maureen Torriello. And welcome again to the Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen podcast. And every week, Maureen and I get together with you, and we mix it up about, well, whatever it is that we pull off the top of our heads. And sometimes you know out of somewhere else. And sometimes it needs to be straight from the heart. And believe me, this week, old Petey is talking to you straight from the heart. So before we put this podcast together, we put out a notice on Facebook that we were going to be doing this show. And we asked our friends and family or anybody else who wanted to to reply uh, what their experience has been with DNA testing. And we heard from Michelle Sauer. And she says, I haven't done one yet. Although Ingrid, who is her daughter, has done one. And she keeps bugging me to do it. I just keep forgetting I did get her dog's, her dog's DNA done, and turns out she's a super mutt. Now, Michelle goes on to say, apparently, there is some Jewishness on my mom's side. When she said that, I figured, Dad, but they tell you what side it's on. I can have her text you her results if you want. And then we heard from Vicki Torriello, who is a cousin of mine. And Vicki writes, I connected with my great aunt and her daughter. She and my grandfather had an argument about a cemetery lot when my grandmother passed and never spoke to her again. I was denied getting to know her all these years, and she is lovely. And we also heard from Dave Satkowski. And Dave says, I had a great experience with their DNA test. There were no surprises, but I do have over 6,000 matches It has helped me find some unknown branches of my family, and it's helped to confirm some matches that I already suspected. Go ahead and mention my name if you want. All right, Dave, we already did. Now, I think we have a few more that came in just the other day. So let's see what we've we've got here. While you're looking for that, a friend of mine a few years back, I think, already, uh, her, someone in her husband's family or... Uh, yeah, and her husband's family actually looked him up. Somebody that he did not know was family, and uh, turned out he had sired a child before getting married to my friend. Now, and found a whole another family, and now they're all you know kumbaya, happy together, uh, getting to know each other. I'm glad that worked out. Yeah, some, sometimes it doesn't work mm-hmm. out. You know, sometimes people don't want to be contacted. Well, here's one from uh, Marie Zach. I did an ancestry and got Eastern European. 
Little, oh, Lil, that's her sister, did another one and got a mixture including the Iberian Coast. Fun, but I wouldn't place a bet on either one. And then Vicky Toriello responded to Marie and said it's pretty accurate. And even siblings can vary with the DNA they got from their parents. Uh, we heard from uh, one of our fans, Kevin Fay, who just said, looking forward to hearing it. So hope you enjoy the show, Kevin. And uh, Paul Boehner writes, according to conspiracy theorists, they provide uh, the government with data. Well, you never know. <laughs> and let's see. Jen Budd wrote, I did Ancestry. Turns out I'm half Irish. I grew up thinking I was half Italian. Mary Kay Dombrowski writes, did Ancestry. I found a few cousins and were able to share some family info. And uh, Bruce Peterson just says he can't wait to hear the, the podcast, too. Well, there you go. So it looks like just about everybody has had a favorable experience. At least the people that we know, yes. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk now about my experience with Ancestry DNA. First of all, of course, my name is Pete Toriello. And my dad was Pete Toriello Sr. And he was from Italy. He was actually born there, came over here when he was a tot. And he was from San Fele, Italy, which is in the province of Potenza, what they call the Basilicat region of, uh, of Italy. And all his family was from Italy. Mm-hmm. My mom, Rose Toriello, was from Brooklyn. Hey, Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. She was born in Brooklyn. How you doing? But her mom and dad were from Italy. Right. And their people were from Italy. So... Well, I know you, you were always very interested in that. I was very together, interested Because most of your family yeah. that would be able to provide you with any of that kind of information gone. is gone. Gone. So I know, you know, for years, you've been researching and trying to find out about Potenza and about San Filet, and you found a picture of a church there that you assume was maybe where your dad was baptized. Mm-hmm. You know, and you were really getting Be- into beautiful, this. Beautiful, old, very, very old village, yeah. San Filet, but way up there in the, in the mountains. You even found your family crest. Found uh, what is believed to be the crest. And uh, I was really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And so how did I wind up with this box, which, which I still have here on the desk. Yes. I'm holding it up so you can all see it on the podcast. <laughs> Ancestry DNA. Now, how did this get into my hot little hands? Well, Merry Christmas, honey. <laughs> uh, two Christmases ago, I while you were looking up all this stuff and you were really getting very deep into trying to find your roots, I decided that uh, they were having a, a special for Christmas and I, I ordered it for you as a present. Right. So Thinking uh, it would be fun. A few months ago, I guess about maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, I finally opened the box and I said, let me, let me do this. So I followed the instructions and I spit into the little tube and I pack it and I send it to them. And the first communication that you have from at least Ancestry DNA is, you know, we received your, your package and we will be extracting your DNA very shortly. So Make sure you check back. You set up an account right, with them. You right. have a code number that you put in that's exclusive to you and your DNA sample. And all of your communication is through that channel. So then you get another letter from them that says, uh, congratulations, we have been able to extract your DNA and we will be posting your results in a few weeks. 
Now, if the if the test does not work right, if there's a problem or if they cannot extract enough DNA, because remember I said to you, I had a little problem with, with the sample, mm-hmm. with some, some of the chemical that goes into the sample to stabilize it. Uh, but apparently it was okay. And they okay. said, if it's, if it's not okay, they they'll, will they'll send, send you, you a new kid another kid right? right away. You won't even have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. It'll just come in the mail with an explanation. Okay, good enough. So finally, I get... The last da, 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 note da, da, from that says, congratulations, <laughs> in big letters. We have processed your DNA. Please log on to this link and uh, read along. And so, Maureen, here <laughs> is the findings. Yes. Why don't you read what it says on there? Okay. Pete's DNA. 27% England and Northwest Europe. 25% German. 21% Ireland, woohoo! <laughs> 16% Scotland, 5% Baltics, which is Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, 2% Sweden, 2% the Balkans, 1% Finland, 1% Norway. What 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 did I not hear in on that list? We didn't hear Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No Italy. So now I'm looking at these results and I'm like, there must be either there was a problem with my test, but if there were, they would have sent me another one. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking. I think they sent you the wrong ones. I thought maybe they got yours mixed up with someone else. That's what I'm thinking. So now I'm like, either something is like really screwy here or something is really screwy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I smell a rat. And uh, so I was getting ready to send away for another kit, but this time I was going to use 23 and me. Right. And see, because I think that they have a slightly different procedure for mm-hmm. doing the DNA. So before that, I reached out to a cousin of mine, and we go all the way back to childhood together. We're very close. And of course, when you're 67 years old, there aren't a lot of people in your family that are around to remember anything about your birth. Especially since most of your family was quite a bit older than you. You were the baby by the time you came along. Right. My mom and dad, when I was born uh, in late 1953, my mom was 41 and my dad was 49. Right. So any of your cousins and your aunts and uncles were at least that old, if not older. Yeah. So, yeah. it, you know, the likelihood of them still being around is pretty slim. So I have one cousin who is just about to turn 80. And he would have been about 13, maybe. 13, 14 mm-hmm. when, when, were born. when I was born. So he might have some kind of memory about it. But unfortunately, he is uh, ill with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick, if you hear this, uh, get well wishes from me and Maureen, and and, and God bless. I hope uh, hope you come out on uh, on the good side of this thing. Uh, so, but anyway, we didn't want to bother him. We didn't want to bother him while he was convalescing. Right. So, uh, my cousin says, you know, I'll, I'll talk to him later. This this would be her brother that she'd be talking to. I'll talk to him later when he when he's feeling better. Okay. So, a little bit later that morning. I get a call from my cousin, and she's really upset. I, have, I haven't seen her that upset in a very, very long time. And she says, Peter, 
I have to talk to you about something. Okay. She's like, when my dad died several years ago, which would have been my, my uncle Nick, my dad's kid brother, when he died, his widow gave me a box full of papers. And I never looked at them. It was just a, a portfolio, and it had all these papers in it. And I know this some is Joanne of, talking. Joanne, yeah. And it, it had, you know, some. I thought maybe it was all about, uh, you know, maybe my dad's marriage papers, and maybe his birth certificate, or when he bought the house that I grew mm -hmm. up. And I, I put it in a closet, and I never thought of it. And I figured, you know what? Let me, uh, let me take this this box out and see what's in it. And then her voice got very, very shaky, and she's like, Peter. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you were adopted. I have the papers. I have your original birth certificate, and I have the papers from the court of when Rose and Pete Toriello adopted you. And the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that yours truly, Pete Toriello, came into this world uh, as Raymond Maurice Gerald. That is my birth name. And I was born uh, in December 1953. As I was told, I was born in Margaret Haig Maternity Hospital in Jersey City. But my mother was actually a woman named Margaret Ann Schroeder, who was 32 years old at the time. And my father was a guy named Cary Gerald, and he was 23 years old at the time. So it, lo it looks like old Maggie liked the young stuff, you know? <laughs> if they got the numbers right. If they got the numbers right, and being that's Hudson County, God only knows, because mm -hmm. Hudson County is well known for being well, I just thought it was a little loose. suspicious that your mom is 32, your biological uh, mom, yeah. and the biological father is 23. The numbers are inverses of each other. They and are. It's quite they possible are. that it's the other way around. But I did find... A Carrie and Margaret Gerald down mm -hmm. in Florida. Okay. Uh, who are married and the ages check. Oh, okay. When you look them All up. Right. So, so then, yeah, then I guess it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So she liked them on the young side. And uh, <laughs> also, I apparently had or have uh, two siblings. One who was actually deceased at the time of my birth. And another sibling who apparently is still around. Mm -hmm. And it, his name might also be Carrie Gerald which uh, would have been my, Kerry yeah. Gerald Jr., which would have been uh, my, uh, my, my uh, birth father's name. So I got to tell you, this was just, uh, let's see, we are recording this on Sunday, the 31st, 31st of January. January. So it was, yesterday was one week ago that I found out about this. And I have to tell you, uh, and Maureen will vouch for this, it was a very dark day. Oh, it, it, that's a bomb. It's, you know, uh, shocking, shocking news. It was a very dark day. Uh, Joanne is reading me. She said to me, do you want me to read these papers to you? And I'm like, well, you know what? We, we've opened the door on this. For a pound, yeah. Let's do it. And she read them and, she's, and, and we talked for several minutes. And well, actually, she read and I listened. I was mm -hmm. kind of unable to speak. And uh, she said, I have more papers here. Do you want to hear them? And I said, no, no, just stop there. Um, I don't want to hear anymore. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Well, you have to process it a little at a time. Had to process Something it. As big as that. And yeah. I 
broke down. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And those of you who may have been through something like this, maybe you, you understand where I'm coming from on this. And those of you who do not, I hope you can follow along with me. But here I am. I'm 67 years old now. Mm-hmm. And this is something that was kept from me all my life. And you know what the funny part is? And you've heard, you've heard me say this all the time that we were married. Mm-hmm. What, did I, well, what did I say to you? You always, well, you're, first of all, your parents were married 20 years before they had you. Right. So you were always thinking, you know, were there other kids? Maybe they, did they not survive? Uh, you know, what, what's up with that? Because sometimes flipping through old family albums, there are these very, very old pictures of my mom and dad taken back in the 1940s holding a child, a mm-hmm. young child. And I think in most of those cases, it was another relative, maybe a nephew of theirs or, right. so, or something. But at, at first I thought, well, geez, maybe they had another kid that yeah. that didn't survive. And when I asked some of my older relatives, they were like, no, 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 Rose and Pete had one kid and that, that was it, that was you. That's, there were no other kids. And I, I really wonder how many of my relatives even knew this. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no way to know. You know, my dad's brothers and sisters obviously knew it. I wouldn't say obviously. Uh, I think my mom's sisters and, and brothers knew because, well, one of her brothers was uh, was my godfather, mm-hmm. you know, at, at my christening. Right. But, you know, you don't know what was said. You know, you have to put it in the time context. You know, this is in the 1950s. It was a lot easier to keep secrets, and a lot more people had secrets. There was no internet. There was no social media. There was no smartphones. There was no Google. You know, and people were very private. I mean, I grew up with the, the expression all the time being fed to me, you don't air your dirty laundry for everybody to see. Mm. And that was kind of the, the mantra and the mindset of people back in the 50s. And it's very hard for us now in a much more open age to put your head around what they were thinking and what, what was their world like at that point that caused them to keep this secret. I think, I think there's a, a, a lot of different angles on this. First of all, uh, in the 1950s, if you were an adopted child, there was kind of a stigma to it, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. I think that there was kind of a stigma to being an adopted kid. And if you were parents and you had to adopt a child, there was another stigma to that about, well, why, oh, gee, poor, poor Pete and Rose, they couldn't have children. They, they, they had to adopt a baby. Yeah. You know, yeah. Rose was infertile, maybe, or gee, maybe Pete was shooting blanks, huh? What do you, what do you think <laughs> about that, huh? Uh, and so I, I don't know where Rose and Pete came into the picture mm-hmm. on that. How did they hook up with Margaret Ann Schroeder yeah. having this, this baby in Jersey City? Because I have no paperwork from an agency. Right. Well, a lot of times it was private adoptions back then, too. Or I wonder if my mom did get pregnant, mm-hmm. if Rose got pregnant, lost the child. Maybe she lost other babies that mm-hmm. people didn't know about. Maybe lost this one and found out that there was a woman on the ward that 
was surrendering her child for adoption. I do know that I was adopted right out of Margaret Haig Hospital mm-hmm. as, as an infant. And my mom and dad uh, owned a four-family home on Hanford Street in Newark. And I knew about that. And uh, they, were, they were the landlords. And so some of the early correspondence from the lawyers to my mom was addressed to 37 Hanford Street mm-hmm. in the matter of Rose and Peter right. Torriello and the adoption of uh, infant Raymond Maurice Gerald. And from what I'm able to learn is I, they had immediate custody of me right out of the hospital. I was born sickly. I was, I was a month premature, and I think I weighed about four pounds or something, my, my dad, my uh, dad who raised me told me. So they couldn't get me out of the hospital right away. Mm-hmm. But once I did come out, I lived with them in Newark, and the state had a representative who would come to the house and make inspections every so often. And then after one year, they received, uh, they had to go to court again after one year, and they received very glowing uh, (laughs) reviews from the state rep. And the lawyer said, "Uh, you're... Reports are so very, very good, Rose, that I'm very certain that uh, you will have your child in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's going to happen. Right. And immediately after that, they go to court in October 1955. So they had me in their custody all through 1954. And they were allowed to call me Peter, but it could not be done legally. Right, it wasn't on, on, on any paperwork at that point. Right, right. I was still Raymond Maurice Gerald until the one year had transpired. And the adoption was finalized. And the adoption yeah. was finalized. And I actually have the paperwork from the court finalizing my adoption. And it says, Raymond Maurice Gerald, effective this day, will be known as Peter Joseph Toriello Jr. Rose and Pete took that to the grave. Yeah. And when when this happens to you, I think the first the first reaction that you have was rage. Just th- this is this is outrageous that this could happen. And you know that that's where I I think the stigma part comes in that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. the stigma of being an adopted kid yourself and the stigma that might fall on your parents. And as, uh, as our, uh, our bishop, because I, I talked to our bishop, who is also a counselor, and I, I wanted to try and just work this out in my head. And he said, Peter, just think, Rose and Pete, they were, they were coming from a position of love. They wanted a child, very obviously. They wanted desperately to have a child. And God put you in their hands through mm-hmm. whatever circumstances. And to protect you, they did not want anyone to know that you were an adopted child. And they did not want you to know. Because they didn't want, they didn't want you to be hurt. Right. They, they didn't, didn't want you to think any less of yourself. Any or, less of yourself or, or any less of them. Yeah. And, you know, I think, too, adoptive parents, maybe, I don't know how if it's just the same now, but at some point, I know, like, you, you have to be a little bit afraid that maybe 
if the kid finds out later that they're adopted, that they're going to go off in search of their birth parents and maybe you know you you get lessened or they become more attached to their birth parents than to you or that the birth parents suddenly show up on your doorstep and create havoc so i mean there there could be those kind of scenarios too that they were trying to avoid i think for me there is no doubt in my mind that my adoption was the best thing that could have happened to me oh you had a wonderful life i had a terrific life and i you know i don't know what the status of my birth father and birth mother was i you know i do know that she had another baby before me and one had died and maybe it was a case where they had no money Mm -hmm. they had no money and uh, that's that's my feeling on it and i was a month premature i was a sickly kid uh i had a lot of respiratory problems that that hospitalized me as a child and i remember my father telling me how he and my mom asked used to have to aspirate me mm-hmm. with a like a rubber squeezy Squeegee, thing yeah. and they would have to pull the mucus out of my throat right with this thing my mom and dad 41 years old and 49 mm-hmm. and they signed on for this yeah to raise this kid and they gave me a fabulous life i <laughs> I was spoiled spoiled rotten. I was spoiled (laughs) rotten. Are you kidding me? They gave me a love that was a hundred percent self-sacrificing. And I didn't want for a damn thing as a kid. Mm -hmm. And you know, I grew up here in Madison Park and I had such a good life here in this community that I'm back. Yeah. We moved back just because Rose and Pete gave me this incredible life and i'm just calling them rose and pete not to be disrespectful but just to differentiate differentiate them from my birth i know when you start saying mom dad it gets a little it gets a little well which mom or which daddy are you are you talking about so now i believe that my birth father may be deceased Mm -hmm. because i i found something on the internet that said that there was a uh a raymond gerald the one i mentioned down in florida who was deceased at 73 there is a possibility that my birth mother is still around. And if she is, she's going to be 100 years old. That's something. I can't find her. Mm-hmm. I had an address for her and my birth father, but they are apparently no longer at that location. Right. So I'm figuring maybe he died. And at her advanced age, remember, she's older than he is. Yes. She either has passed or is in some kind of assisted living facility. Could be. Could very well be. And then you had asked me what? What did I want to do? Well, I asked you if if you wanted to contact them in any way or have search for them. And And the first answer that I gave you was? No way. Yeah, absolutely not. And I said it just like that. Absolutely not. And I was angry at the time. I was still, it was the day that I found out about Mm -hmm. all this. Now looking at it, I'm like, you know what? This is the only opportunity that I may have to hear from my birth mom at all. So just send her a le- send it to the old address. Maybe they can forward it to her. If they, they can't, they can't. But if she gets it, I can write and say, hi, you know, my name is Pete Torriello. I was once upon a time Raymond Maurice Gerald, and I believe that you may have been my birth mother, and, and here is why. And I'm, I don't want anything from you I have no malice toward you. Obviously, you had your reasons for doing what you did. 
And I appreciate that you did. Because I, I, you know, I, I could have wound up a, a ward of the state. Mm-hmm. I could have been passed from family to family, maybe abusive families. Who knows what, what could have happened to me? So uh, just, you know, just to tell this woman, hey. No, it turned out okay. No hard thanks. feelings. Yeah. And you know what? You did the right thing. And I turned out damn good. Yeah. It mm-hmm. went damn good. You know, and if if I can't reach her, I can't reach her. Yeah. And then there's the other guy that I think might be a brother, mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to maybe reach out to, to him. I don't know how that's going to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, the way I look at it is if, if I was in your shoes, I'd want to at least try. If nothing happens, nothing happens. No harm, no foul. But, you know, you could possibly have a chance at a relationship with a real sibling, yeah. a blood relative that you've never had. Now, what was my big fear? Do you remember my big fear when I found found out about this? I'm not sure. I was afraid of telling our children. Oh, telling the kids, yeah. Because I thought, oh my God, what are they going to think of of me? What are, what are they going to think of their father now? And in the Toriello family, we deal with stress and adversity through humor. And... Each of our three kids had a humorous way of responding mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And the first person that I decided to call was uh, our daughter, who was the middle child, Kim. And uh, I was, I was very, I, I'm dramatic about everything. Mm-hmm. And I called her and I was like, I have to tell you something. I, I hope you're sitting down. I, and I proceeded to tell her. And she says to me, this is what you're upset about. Like, Dad, you didn't get a terminal cancer diagnosis or something. Thank God. This is... Her, her, her response was, why should anybody care whose vagina you came out of? That was her response. And that's our Kimmy. That's Kimmy. Who cares? She goes, we all love you. You are our dad. And the fact that you were an adopted child. It doesn't affect us. Yeah. It doesn't affect our relationship. And she goes, so I found out that I'm not Italian at all, which explains why I can't cook. There you go. <laughs> you know? And uh, then I called, uh, I called Marky, who is our, our youngest. And again, he was like, wow, geez, dad, that, that, that kind of sucks. But it doesn't change anything. And then I called Sean. And Sean's response was very, very humorous, and I cannot repeat it. <laughs> I really, I really can't. Well, I mean, it, he, he relied on stereotypes, and yes. he was like, you know, well, I thought I was from an Italian heritage who brought you the Parthenon and the, the art and the Renaissance and the church and all the, all the, the great art of the world yeah, and he the said architects. That the, the people, and, you the, know, a descendant of the Roman Empire <laughs> and the, the great artists and architects and builders. And he's like, and now I find out I'm not. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. <laughs> and then he, he used some other things for, that yeah, we cannot we repeat, repeat but, and, uh, and all in humor. And each of them got me laughing mm-hmm. that day. And I thought, wow, it's going to be a long time before I laugh again because it was just so crushing. I know you it's just you, so. And you know, I I mean, I don't know. I'm not in your shoes. I can't imagine. I try to imagine, you know. But 
I, I really didn't have the fear of telling the kids that you had. To me, I, I knew that they weren't going to care, uh, that, it di- that it didn't affect them. But you felt the need that you had to, to do this. And, you know, I mean, they needed to know. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to be the big traumatic deal that you thought it was the, going the to be. The funny thing is that you feel like your whole family, all your, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, all just got yanked out from under you. You know, and I, I love the Toriellos. I have, God, my Uncle Nick, uh, who had the papers, by the way. He's mm-hmm. the guy that had you the know. papers. And I just wonder if when my father died, when I was 25, my mom, my mom passed when I was 17. So I only had her in my life for that 17 years. Dad passed when I was 25. And when he passed, my uncle shot down to where my dad was living to actually take over the funeral arrangements mm-hmm. and everything. And I was a little offended because I thought that was my job because I was the, the, the his son and right. I was the sole heir and executor. Mm-hmm. And he shot down there and I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm th- thinking, did he know that, that my dad had these papers? Maybe. And geez, I better go down there and get them before Peter finds them. Or at some point, did my mom and dad say, here, Nick, take these we want to be sure that Peter never sees these. It could go either way. Could go either way. Could go either and way. no matter which way it went down, it was down out of love and, mm-hmm. and, and to protect me. Right. So that is my story. And it all worked out okay. And a week down the road, I really am past the emotion because I could not record this show earlier this week. That, that's why we missed, actually skipped a week, folks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the thing is, it, it's it's like grief. You know, first you got to be angry, then you're going to be mourning, then you're going to be, you know, uh, upset, then you'll be okay for a while, and then you might have waves coming back. It's, it's, it's a process. And The first few days, I just cried. And then the next few days, anytime I would talk about my mom and dad, I would start, I'm almost starting now, yeah. start to get choked up. So we decided to just hold off for a week or so on the podcast until Mm -hmm. I was able to talk to you about it. So there it is. Hey, listen, (laughs) I don't want to discourage you from doing this DNA because for a lot of you, for most of you, I'll bet, it's going to be a fun ride and you're going to learn about your origins and your ancestors and it's going to be fun and you may make new friends and meet new family members. But for some of us, it's going to be, well... A shock. A shock. It's going to be something that you were not expecting to see, not expecting to find out about, maybe hoping that you wouldn't find out. I always had an inkling from the time I was young Mm -hmm. that I may have been adopted just because my parents were so much older. And my mom was a very private woman. You could ask, you could have asked my mom what time it was, and she would have said none of your business. Mm-hmm. And when I had asked her, well, why, why were you and dad married for 20 years before I came along? What the hell were you two doing all that time? <laughs> and she would just say, none of your business, Peter. Yeah, yeah. And the one time I had asked her, well, I have blue eyes, you and dad have brown eyes. How did that happen? And she would throw it, say, well, maybe you was adopted, but she would throw it off in an yeah, offhand like kind of way. Man's kid or never, <laughs> never thought to follow it up. So that has been my experience. And I thank you for listening to the show. If you want to write to Maureen and I, we have 
and address, which is Pete and Maureen Podcast at yahoo.com. And of course, you can always find us on Facebook under Pete, Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen. And also, you can leave voicemail on Anchor. And that's about it, right? Yeah, we'll see you next week, everybody. Goodbye, God bless you, and thank you for listening. <laughs>